you know, lately I've done things where I've exposed myself to a lot of founders and entrepreneurs, and I, I'm just amazed uh, with that whole tribe, so to speak, right? They stand with each other. They are always helping uh, while they are seeking help as well, obviously. But it's all about give, uh, win-win, give and take. And uh, it's it's just amazing. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Leaders. I'm honored to be joined today by Vivek Kakar, previously Senior Director at Cisco. A technologist, previously Senior Director in Cisco, leading a number of big projects in video collaboration devices, wearables, WebEx, etc., He's a lifelong learner, now executing his own leap by helping startups and exploring his own entrepreneurial ambitions. Vivek has a natural passion for improving leadership by understanding the neuroscience behind social dynamics in a workplace. Vivek Kakar, thank you for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? I'm good, Michael. Thanks for having me. You have been serving 20 minutes of pure inspiration, and I love it. Thank you for the kind words. I don't think anybody said something so kind on the show yet, so... Now you've, you've just set a new bar, uh, and I'm really excited in the next 20 minutes to get to know Vivek better and, and a little bit about, you know, your, your feelings, insights, and experiences from the tech scene. Previously, senior director at Cisco, you're also working on some phenomenal projects of your own, uh, mentor to various startups, but we're, we, there's different things that we want to talk about today, and I'm going to let you start off a little bit about your journey and some of the things that you personally find interesting in the way you look at the at leadership and the tech ecosystem? Yeah, so my journey started as an engineer and a technologist. I feel I'm still an engineer in my heart. Um, my journey took me to leading global teams, uh, leading complex projects, you know, cloud native, mobile apps, variables, hardware devices, and so on. Um, and I believe in my last six years of journey, I have been actually functioning as an entrepreneur. Basically, you know, the way I define that is somebody who is leading a, a team amid certain uncertainty with respect to technology and business. And how do you navigate similar to what a startup or an enterprise would do? And, uh, that has been really rewarding. And both myself and my team has learned a great lot from that experience. Um, I personally like to solve problems, but the biggest thing which drives me is the customer obsession, you know, surfing up, serving up great uh, experiences and workflows for our customers, right? Um, so that has been a focus also in the journey. And like I mentioned, uh, learning and growth, both for me and my team, both technology as well as all the uh, other aspects of, of the journey. Uh, one thing I want to call out in that journey is the understanding of human behaviors and social dynamics in a global setting, in a team setting, 
and what neuroscience brings as a limelight into that aspect. You know, I, I fundamentally believe that neuroscience and neuro leadership should be taught uh, to everybody, uh, maybe in, in undergrad or in, at some point of time. And what that allows you to do is to able to actually understand the science behind high performance teams and higher engagement in people. So, so that has been, that particular aspect has been really interesting and rewarding for me. Good successes as well as, uh, you know, great understanding around that. And then, um, you know, having been in big enterprise for some time, I have uh, recently started to actually, you know, delving into helping startups through some accelerators and understanding, you know, how startups function, how founders function, and how how I can help as a as a technology leader. So that has been a very rewarding uh, moment for me recently. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's where I am. And actually, you know, uh, I'm a good resource for anybody who, who actually puts a lot of weight behind learning and feels that they're too old to maybe learn something new. Um, I don't feel that way. I think, I think we can learn and deliver something exciting every day as we are living. I love it. Now you're talking about neuroscience and leadership being taught, you know, in a traditional setting to two subjects that one, one feels very, you know, it requires a lot of domain expertise and many years to, to even understand the basics of it. The other one feels like something that is very unordinary to be thinking of in a traditional setting. When you say, you know, leadership and, and, you know, the way neuroscience plays into it, what, what, what do you actually mean? What does that mean to you? So fundamentally, each one of us, you know, we actually not only bring cognitive ability to workplace, we also bring our emotions. And in fact, if we don't bring our emotions, then we are no longer as engaged as we should be, right? So when you bring your emotions, you know, you have a social dynamic which plays there. And if an environment is conducive for the right social dynamic, which allows people to actually feel engaged and feel really excited about their work, then they deliver more and they actually are just better people and better teams. Now, as a leader, how do you recognize these forces? How do you enable environments and behaviors is what this uh, neuroscience and neuroleadership is all about. And that's fundamental, I believe. And leaders and people who understand it are, are slightly better in their day job and their functions is, is what I believe. And so the, I, I always like to think of the pain, uh, you know, from a young startup mind. The pain that you're seeing, obviously, and you're articulating is that not enough people that are engaged, and we're talking about a population of people that are highly engaged, they're highly emotional because that's at the end, you know, we want to do things that we're passionate about. With that passion, you know, comes the, the, the difficulty and the challenge of managing that emo those emotions and, and leading, you know, in the army, we used to call it 360 degrees, up, down, and horizontally as well. 
And so why, why is it in your mind, something that we can't just, you know, through experience, just grow and automatically understand? It's a multi, multi-phase phenomena. So, you know, things as important as do the people understand the vision? Are you as a leader propagating it clearly so that they are not confused? You know, anything which blocks their thinking brain or confuses their thinking brain is going to be a problem. It could be a big problem. It could be a small, but for for ultimate performance, things need to be purely aligned. So it starts from the vision. They need to be able to get satisfaction from the fact that, hey, what I do every day is paramount and most important for me to do for my company. So it starts from that, right? So as a leader, understanding that and enabling that through the organization, scaling it through the organization, right? That's number one. Number two is on a daily basis, are people able to bring their best creative self to the work or are they in a threat mode? Is the environment creating threat modes in their head? You know, is there an issue with layoffs? Is there an issue with their sense of status? Is there an issue of, you know, my managers are not right or, you know, my peers are not valuing me? You know, all these things, able to spot these problems, able to actually, you know, be able to help when these problems exist. And sometimes even proactively uh, propagate the culture and values so, the, so that the maximum problems don't occur, right? Uh, that's where it's very important for a leader to be able to be aware and also recognize when any of these things may happen and how do you mitigate it? How do you scale it, right? right? And that's why, you know, you may think, yeah, this is very intuitive. This should be omnipresent, but unfortunately, it is not. And leaders who are naturally more tuned to this, I find them to be very effective. They are very approachable. They are more successful. That sounds, you know, on paper, really, really nice. This idea that you know we can you know, get those skills, we can become more aware, we can be more effective leaders. And I read recently a book um, about leadership from a military perspective in the United States by two generals that talked about leadership in all its capacities, a lot about emotional intelligence. And I feel that a lot of what you're touching on here, and we're not talking about, you know, domain expertise. We're not, we're talking here about human to human collaboration, understanding that what, what teamwork really is all about. So in today's world, for example, a young entrepreneur, I will soon, you know, sometimes start my startup. How can I as a leader hold myself accountable to these skills and be able to both question whether I'm, you know, improving on them, but also have some checks and balances like, like, other, like big organizations have? How can I do that as a, as a, you know, as a young entrepreneur? Yeah, I think. You know, I, I really like what David Rock, who has uh, also, he's founder of Neuro Leadership Institute. He came up with uh, certain forces which actually create 
threat in any organization, whether it's a startup or a big enterprise. And he calls it SCARF. Basically, you know, as a, as a founder or a, as a startup entrepreneur, if you can make sure that SCARF is, I'll, I'll explain what SCARF is, but if these forces are in check or in right order, then people in general will not be in a threat situation and will be highly engaged and performing. And basically, SCARF is an acronym for status. So people in your team, they are feeling the value. They, they bring something. They feel good about that. And they are recognized and valued. So status. Second is certainty, that they understand their purpose. They understand their connection to the vision. And they understand where we are going as a team, whether you are a small or a big team. Third is A, which is autonomy. You know, they have the right autonomy at their levels to be able to be uh, empowered, right? To perform and to deliver, right? And then R is relatedness, right? They are feeling that they are part of the team. Uh, you know, uh, they are not an outsider and all that, right? It's like I'm part of the club, I'm part of the team, and so on. And the last is F, which is fairness. That, hey, you know, it's, it's a diverse team. Every, everybody is included. Everybody is valued. It's not about race. It's not about religion. It's not about a club or a friend or anything. Everybody is equal. This is so fundamentally correct and uh, important, but it's, it's, it's like, hey, yes, this is normal. This is natural. But understanding it and making that happen on the ground will do everything. Uh, will do all the magic. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. It's obviously it gets more and more valuable as the team grows and as the complexity grows. But I imagine that understanding the importance of it and 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 growing as a leader is important from day one, right? I, I see sometimes people saying, "Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm the CEO of the company, but but you know, I, I'm not yet a leader." Now, my perception is a bit different. From the moment, you know, the moment you've chosen to take the responsibility. In any capacity, you are, uh, need to hold yourself responsible as a leader as if you're in the battlefield, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, and it's a multiple hats, you know, especially being, after doing a lot of entrepreneurship within big organization, uh, when I work with uh, startup founders and look at them, I mean, in a good way, they are toddlers. They need a lot of help. A lot of things are happening and, you know, they, they are juggling a lot of balls. And, you know, awareness of this sort can be considered as luxury, but I think it is very fundamental as, as, a, as a person, as a CEO and as a leader. So be able to execute it naturally is, is, is a good practice to have. And, uh, you know, it can, it can result. In, in, in a great company. So I'm really curious, when you sit down with an entrepreneur, you don't have to give specific examples, but when you're sitting down with entrepreneurs, how, how do you give sort of that, that mirror? Or how do you, how do you provide that, you know, that, that conversation starter to even talk about these things? Do you find that you know, they're very open to it? Do you find that they're very aware? Do you need to bring more of the, of the awareness in? How, how does the dynamic you know, work with you. So, yes, I think 
I think the reason people found companies, one of the reason is they are sponges. They are very open. They are growth oriented and they have that, that mindset of growth. And yes, they are very receptive, but they also attach it to revenue or what it does to their company at that moment. So what I've also found is, you know, depending on the phase where the startup is, top of their mind, top three things on their mind is not this, right? It will be, how do I grow? How do I grow in North Americas or Asia or, or things like that? How do I, how do I generate more, uh, more funding, for example? Or, or how do I, you know, grow my trials or things like that? It's, it's more on that uh, at the early startup phase and less about, you know, scaling a team. Now that phase comes and that comes for every startup when they are scaling the team and more than that, they are actually scaling globally. That's when this becomes really important. So depending on the phase of the team, uh, phase of the organization, this may not be the prime top three things in their mind. And at that point of time, this conversation is really not really central. And, and that's okay, you know. But if they are aware that, that this will happen, this will come, and they are aware of it, I think that's good enough. So what I'm hearing is that there's this fine balance, um, or almost like a tipping point where as a startup entrepreneur and as a leader, you also, you not just have to be conscious of your own leadership, you also have to be conscious of what are the priorities within that leadership, which makes it just even more complicated yeah. because now you not only have to be aware of, the, of, of you know, your limitations and where you need to improve, but you also need to acknowledge, okay, what should I focus on improving right now? Is it the team? Is it myself? Is it our product? And it sounds like uh, primarily, I'm guessing, a, a lot of help is by talking about it with others and with and understanding uh, and the credit that you give a lot of entrepreneurs I'm hearing is that they're, they're like sponges. They're coming in, wanting to learn, wanting to be open-minded and wanting to improve, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's really, it's very, very uh, rewarding to, um, you know, lately I've done things where I have exposed myself to a lot of founders and entrepreneurs and, I, I'm just amazed uh, with that whole tribe, so to speak, right? They stand with each other. They are always helping uh, while they are seeking help as well, obviously. But it's all about give, uh, win-win, give and take. And uh, it's it's just amazing. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. I love it. Vivek, are you ready for a few uh, fun questions? A little bit different from what we talked about until now. Absolutely. Wonderful. Okay, we'll start easy. We'll get a little bit more complicated. And I'm, I'm also curious to hear uh, some of the reasoning behind the responses. We'll start off with your favorite subject in school. We're talking about, you know, high school, middle school. <laughs> yeah. No, so I, I basically, you know, leaned towards engineering and math uh, fairly early. And uh, my dad was an engineer, mechanical engineer. and um, you know, that's where I leaned. Although I'll tell you my favorite subject probably 
is and was world history. And the reason is, you know, it's it's funny and actually it's more clear now than when I was in high school because now I'm more global. Uh, what What is the most important truth about world history is it is it's a variable. It's not constant. It changes depending on the beholder. Which part of country you are, which part of world you are, the same world history is said and projected differently. And that is just very interesting in my head. You know, and after uh, after coming to US and actually uh, met a lot of people from a lot of countries, this is actually even more true. Yeah. I love it. Vivek, a second question. One of your role models or somebody that inspires you? So I take inspiration from wherever it comes. You know, that's my strength, so to speak. Um, But I'll want to call out two role models specifically, and I'll tell you why. Uh, One is my mother. And she taught me uh, everything about continuous learning. And specifically, she did her PhD when I was in my middle and high school. And I saw her working hard through that. And and that has given me the sense of learning and growth uh, as a continuous process. So that's one inspiration I take from her. And the second person is my one of my managers who taught me how to be an excellent coach, uh, uh, empathetic coach. And I believe I was able to actually grow as a coach, as a people leader because of him. I think about him whenever I, I'm in a situation uh, around people things that I think about him. So that's a huge huge learning from him. So those are the two people I'll call, call out. Sounds like a true leadership, uh, you know, given especially what we talked about until now. And the most uh, weirdest, I should say, question, three words that you would choose to describe yourself, or if I were to ask anybody, who, who are you? Well, it's a cliche, but I, I call myself as a lifelong learner. Um, and it's basically, again, like I said, it's a continuous improvement. You grow, you look at yourself from outside. And I think you yourself can fundamentally pick what you want to grow in, multiple things at the same time, and go after those. And I think it requires uh, understanding of yourself, self-evaluation. And I believe uh, I do that. And I also stay on the fine line where you don't want to be too critical of yourself, but still want to be able to recognize the things you want to work towards. Vivek, thank you so much for joining me. This was so enjoyable. And 20 minutes go by very, very quickly, especially when we have such fun conversations. So thank you for, thank you for coming and, and for, the, for sharing these insights, which I'm, taking, I'm going to take with myself for a long time. Uh, especially on my own journey. And I believe that a lot of others will as well. So thank you very much for coming and uh, stay safe and stay healthy. I enjoyed every moment of it, Michael. Thank you so much.